This is Bliss Oasis. Change your thinking, change your life. Welcome again to Bliss Oasis Africa, where we tell the untold stories of everyday people. At Bliss Oasis, we believe that everyone has a story and we go out there giving them opportunities to tell it. And some of the stories can be hilarious, heart-rendering, inspiring, and educative. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Patrick Ngogi. Welcome to Bliss Oasis Africa, where we give opportunities to everyday people to tell us their story. As a young journalist with the National Media Group in the late uh, 70s and early and up to mid 80s, I had a mentor as a court reporter. And this mentor eventually became a friend, a good friend. And with him, we covered quite interesting stories. But he always had better ones because he was more experienced. And this mentor became a good friend over the years up to now. And his name is Andrew Kuria, whom we are privileged today to bring to this person so that he can tell us his story about his life up to now, since he was a young child throughout journalism and up to the moment time. So help, help me in welcoming Andrew Kuria a former journalist with the nation who has seen it all as he will tell us. Very wonderful. Thank you, Patrick. Yes, so, so how have you been since I think it's been about a decade since you left mission? Oh, I'm quite well, as you can see. Yes, I can see you're doing quite well, and I keep on seeing you once in a while, traveling yes. all over the world, sometimes in Australia, and <laughs> <laughs> other parts of the world. Yes. Yeah, so you can tell us, tell us, tell us, uh, our viewers, about yourself, because we used to rub shoulder with great, great lawyers, like, I remember Jojiadis, S.M. Otieno, and the big names of this world. But perhaps, maybe, oh, yeah. you should, perhaps maybe you should tell us, like, where you grew up. Uh, I know you grew up maybe in Nakuru or Elrod and Mosa, but give us a brief history about your background. Well, I was born in Limuru. Okay. That is uh, close to Nairobi. Yes. And then I've lived to many other places, but I, we didn't live in Limuru for long because my father was a priest. Yeah. Who was posted in many places. Yes. And when you say your father, oh. when you say your father was a priest, maybe our uh, listeners should know that your father eventually became the. Archbishop of the American Church. Yeah, it was from being a padre. Yeah. And then he became the the Archbishop of the Anglican Church is, in Kenya. Uh, he's a late Manasseh for, for 14 years. That was Archbishop Manasseh's career. Okay. So tell us, after yeah. you are born in Limoro, did you go to school in Limoro? 
I went to school in Muru. Eventually, that was at uh, St. Paul's. That is where the school is. That, that is where the St. Paul's uh, University is today. Yeah. It used to be called Divinity School. That's where the theological, St. Paul's Theological College was. Okay. So that's where I went to school at, uh, at a school called St. Paul's Primary School. Okay. But uh, in all, <laughs> it's very interesting because I went to eight different primary schools. Yeah, can you tell us about that? How come? Uh, you see, your father being a priest, is uh, being uh, posted to different parishes. Say so he would be in one parish for six months, then he's transferred to another priest. So what happened is that was St. Paul's, we went to Moranga, Kahuya. So I went to Kahuya, to Edaga. He came back to St. Paul's, completed the course. Then he was posted in Embu, that is where. So there I went to, to three different uh, schools in Ziba, a school a place called Morubar and then Gabigiri. So eventually he was posted in Nakuru. So that's where we actually stayed. But by the way, when he was posted to Nakuru, I was in standard four. Wow. So you can seven years in different uh, primary school and then eventually we settled in Nakuru. That's where I did my then KPE, Kenya Primary Education, yes. Okay. Which year, which year would you say this was? Uh, left uh, Bondeni Primary School, 1964. Yeah. Okay. That's when I left. Then I went, then I went to Njoro School. Mm-hmm. But I also... By, that, by the way, by the time I was going to Njoro School, my father had been posted to Australia uh-huh. for two years. Uh-huh. He served the church. So he left us at a place called St. John's Bondeni Anglican yes. Church. Yes. So that's why I finished my primary school and then went to Njoro. Okay. Njoro did four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did our exam. Then it was Cambridge University. Uh-huh. All <laughs> was Cambridge University. Was crazy. Uh, by the time I was finishing, he had been posted to Eldoret. <laughs> now, in, as an archdeacon of the church, then he became the assistant bishop. Then, uh, so when I finished uh, from four, I went to Eldoret. From there, I started working. And as I was working, I did my A-level. This was, uh, can you give us the years, the time period? Okay. When you were doing nine, your form, 70. 1970, you are doing your form four and you are uh, already working. Now, now I'm, I'm doing my A-level. I'm paying for myself, by the way. Ah. It's like what they, you call online. You were calling his correspondent schools. Okay. So I did my A level. That was a London University, that is London GC. All right. You called it. A level was doing Swahili literature and history. How come you are paying for yourself? Or rather, how come you had to work? I, was, I felt like because I was working, let me pay for myself. Actually, okay. I paid for myself for A level. Mm. And then at the same time, you know, believe it, Patrick, I took a course in journalism. All right. As what, I was working. So you are working. What what were you working as? I was working with the Raymond Woolen Mills. As an account an accounts clerk. Okay. Although I was not I was not good in math, by the way. I was, I was never good in math. I was only good in, in the literature and history. Yes. In Swahili. Swahili was very good because like in A I got an A in Swahili. Okay. 
you see the thing is having lived with at St Paul's mm. we lived with different communities yes. so main language Swahili even the, the language I used first to go in, in school was Swahili okay so, so we lived it from different communities in the country okay so I paid for my course I did that the diploma in journalism wow wow which which college is this which, which this is the international foreign schools all right it's interesting Patrick because what we used to do today people are online yes you do your work go to the post office yes. send your work yes. it goes to Britain yes. in London yes. it's marked brought back if you fail you repeat yeah <laughs> right that for three years yes. and you see I, I looked at it and I said there was no way where they were offering a, a course in journalism that that time mm. but from Yek- then you go in Tanzania. In Tanzania. Yeah. So, so that's when mm-hmm. I got a diploma in uh, journalism. Mm-hmm. And I came to Nairobi. I resigned from uh, Raymond Wooler News. Yes. In Nairobi, I decided I'm going to work with a newspaper. Okay. So I moved around. And eventually, I got to, there was a paper called Target and Lengo. It was a Christian newspaper. Uh, Magazine newspaper yes and it was it used to come once a month it, it was, was the lengo was the swahili version and yes. then it was target i remember those days i remember those papers. you remember mm. it used to be published by a company called east african venture company yes but it was under the umbrella of the nsk that okay. national company okay. so that's why that was uh, now 71 1971 mm. Before, before you go before you go there before you go there what yes. as a class as a class as, a, as an as an accounts class what drove yes. you to do journalism is it because you are good in literature or you had some interest in because I was good in it and I always wanted to do you know to work with that you know something to do with news, news newspapers and all that yes. because even in, in primary school I used to make some contribution on radio you see through the post office okay so i became interested in uh, news gathering and things like those i always you know aspire you know to become one of the journalists so you went to you finished the uh, high school or rather you fin- you did your course you resigned yes. you just go to my, I, I think your i think your family your father's family was really in elder right they were still in the way and and you, you you went to nairobi whom did you live with and how did you end up in target nairobi my uncles who are still living my one of my uncles the one who follows my father was still at limuru yeah so i made that my base so from where is when i went to go and look for a job in nairobi we yeah. target mm. Eventually, they decided to take me. It was more, I was more of a correspondent. I was not a permanent staff. So eventually, I tried to get to Nation. And eventually, I ended up at Nation newspaper in September 1972. Good. That's about, yes. uh, that's about uh, five years before I joined. But then, tell us, you just walk into Target offices and said you want a job. Or how did he go about and no, I, just, can you believe I just walked in <laughs> I just walked in I met a man called Seth Kitange from Tanzania I introduced myself he was sub-editor there 
and sometimes he used to do subbing for daily nation also in the afternoons so i took him stories to him then othiambo uh, kite was the editor othiambo mm. kite because uh, henry kulu had been the editor before and then now okite was there okite who later joined the ministry of uh, information okay so he told me you know bring whatever stories you have bring stories of course now these stories have to be by stories which are inclined yeah so i wrote story i went to st paul's the logical college interviewed people there the priest and others wrote a story about st paul's there was a time they were having a graduation so i covered and then the story started coming in in target So as well I was in Target I tried to go to nation newspapers. How long were you at Target? It's like six months or so. Mm. And then okay. of course I was commuting to Limuru and all that looking for stories sometimes they are not used. Mm. You know how you've been there. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, so uh, nation, yes, nation, yeah. nation did not employ me straight away by the way in September 72. Mm. It was not until March 1973 that they agreed to employ me. Luckily, I had given them a story. There's a story I wrote on uh, Limuru Boys Center. Mm. I gave it to Nation and they used it. Mm. So I think uh, they realized there was... Uh, what, what was the story about, if you remember? It's about Limuru Boys Center. What was it about Limuru? What about... Uh, only Muru Boy Center is run and uh, who goes there? Mm, there's a Bob Main was the principal of that school. Okay. So I interviewed him through the story. There was also a story about the uh, Limuru Girl Center run by YMCA, mm. young women. That one I wrote, it was used by Nyota. Nyota Africa was a magazine. Mm. A nation was running, the Taifa Leo side. Okay. It was a, a monthly. So after the stories came in, I think they realized I was not that bad. So I was given a, so I was given a letter by yeah. Mr. Rodriguez, who was then the managing editor. Yeah, Joe Rodriguez. Yes, I was put on a probation for three months. Mm. They added another three months. In this uh, other three months, now I they actually kind of uh, decided to, to employ me permanently but then we had to go through courses that is shorthand courses those days oh yes i don't know whether you i remember i did them <laughs> yeah, yeah, was still nyamora was quite quite good at shorthand and because he had worked with i think with cooperative bank or something Yes, and uh, many people, including you, you, you started shopping, but I don't think you ever used no, it. Actually, I started with uh, Mugambi Karanja and Edwin Omori. Oh, yes. The three of us, actually, were, three of us were the ones who were there. Were you going before to... Justin, Justin Macharia came up a, a, few, a few, I think, a few months later. Were you, going, a, were you going to the same college you were going, Lexicon College? Oh, yes. It was called the Reesewood. Was it Reesewood College or something like that? Oh, so yes. we had short hand. <laughs> we had to do short hand. You also had to do typing. Yes. 
of 120 watts. Yes, I remember. <laughs> yes. Did you did you reach did you reach 120 watts? No, I never. I think I reached about 90. All right. And and I think uh, I think the only person and I think you not from you it yes. was Edwin Omori yes. who actually used the keyboard properly with all the finger rather than most of the journalists who used to use two fingers. Oh, you see, you see, good thing with Edwin, his father had been the editor in chief mm-hmm. of Nation. Yes. From okay. uh, which year now I can remember because the first editor I think was Hilary Mueno. Mm-hmm. The second, by the say, by the way, George Gedi had uh, been with, with Nation after because Hilary Mueno was the first editor in chief. Yeah. Of Nation. Mm. That was 19, from 1960, 1964 to 65. Yes. That is four years before Nation. You know, Nation came in in 1960. Yes, it was. It followed Taifa, I think. Taifa was, it had been, Taifa, uh, Taifa was 1960. It was started in 1950. Mm. Just a small. It, it was then weekly. Mm. Then in 1960, you know, 1960, they started Daily Nation, and Hillary Reno came in as the editor in chief. Yes. 64 to 65. Mm. Then George Gedi came in 1965. Mm. and left, left in 1968. He would later join the nation when yeah. I went in 72. But then in between there was Boaz Omori. Now yes. that was Edwin Omori's father, mm. who was there in 1968 to 72. Mm. Remember when he passed on? Yeah, during the... You're talking about Edwin, so, Edwin about his father. Edwin, no, that I, was the I remember Edwin passed... passed during the American no. bomb blast. Oh yes, bomb blast. Yeah. Yeah. Edwin died later. Then he died during the bomb blast. But his father had been there from 68 to 72. When he fell sick, died. Mm. So Edwin had been brought up in a home where, you know? They are writers. Yeah, and then he used to, when he was at Sarah Boys, mm. he would come to Nation and work. So that's when now we met in 73. All right. So and tell us, yeah, yeah. Tell us, uh, you came to Nation. Gerald Reeves was the edit, was the managing editor. Then, yeah, he was the managing editor. Not George Gedi was then. He, he now died in '72. He would okay. later live in. He would later live in '77. You remember? Yeah. That was. So I joined when Gedi had just come in. Okay. In fact, the letter, the letter that uh, I was given by a friend introducing me was addressed to George Gedi. Okay, oh yes. So okay. our managing managing editor, no Gedi was the editor in chief. Yeah. Mr. George uh, Joe Rodriguez was the edit, was the managing editor of the Daily Nation. Yes. While, while Mr. George Mbugus mm. was the managing editor of Taifa Leo. Taifa Leo, yes. Yes. And then of we course had we had people like us, yeah. And then, of course, we had the Sunday Nation. Joe Kadi was there. Yeah. Yes. Column. Why? You remember? Yeah. Why? Joe asked. Joe Kadi asked yeah. why. Oh yes. Then we had people like us, Joseph Moreria, Joseph Karemi. 
No, when I walked in, in fact, I walked in at Nation House and the, edit, the news editor was none other than Henry Gadegira. <laughs> ah, okay. A very, <laughs> a very interesting, Gadegira was a very interesting man and very mysterious, by the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can remember very well. He used to live at a place where nobody knew. Yeah. <laughs> he would be taken by a car up yeah. to a place near then he would walk the rest of the way. I think none of the drivers ever knew where he lived. That's 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 Henry Gadigira. Yeah, by the way I did. <laughs> well, you eventually found out. No, I did. <laughs> you did what? You knew where he stayed. You very close. Yeah. <laughs> you know what happened? I was very close to him. He would send me. He was a man who would come sometimes, I think, walking Mm. across from Gara to Nation House. Yeah. And then then I was I used to get in the office very early. Mm. So I would go there and he would be there at seven. Mm. We were supposed to go in at nine. Mm. He would be there at seven. And he would come and tell me, Kuria, there's something happening on River Road. Compass Bay Road, there's some uh, uncollected garbage. Go and write a story about it. And I used to wonder, how did this old man know all these things? <laughs> yes. So he was a very good man. He walked in and he was there. Mm. Then they found people like Asap Mureria, who later become a deputy. Then you find reporters like Henry Chui. Mm. There was. Uh, Aiko Kabogwa, and mm. Erito came later. I think mm. he came same time. There was Philly Karashani from Tanzania. Mm. There was Joseph Karimi. There was Micho Dero. There was Kumbu Chokwe. Mm. There was Martin Joroge. Martin Joroge. That is what Martin Joroge. Oh. He had gone to US. He came later, and then he became a news editor later. Mm. Then we had Robert Irongo. Mm. And then the ones who had preceded us, the young reporters, there was Magina Magina, mm. who had been a sponsor to go to the School of Journalism. We had uh, Omondi Waradoli, William Dege. Phoebe Munene. There was Phoebe Munene. Phoebe Munene was actually in features. Yeah. By the way, you know, in the newsroom, <laughs> the news side, there was no lady reporter. They were all in features. They were all in features. <laughs> Yeah, then found people like David Karyuki, David Jaggi, I don't know they found him. Mm. And others, Modomi, Jeremiah, there was... Njuruni came later, and mm. Kemondo. Njuruni and Kemondo were working with the Sunday Post. Mm. So they, actually when they came, they found me there. I think they came in 76, around there. Mm. I'm not very sure, they were there. Mm. And then you people started coming in. Like us, in the 70s. Yeah, the Irungu Dirangu. There was Irungu Dirangu, Vichurunji, Kalesta. Kalesta's Juma. I remember Kalesta's Juma, but he came in much later, didn't he? Oh, yes, he came back uh, later. Of course, there was now Kemondo, then there was Otieno Konyango, remember? Yeah, Pius Nyamora, myself. Andrew Mondi had also worked with Sunday Post. The late. Then, of course, now there were people like you know, Gideon Mulaki who came later. He was. And I think was, uh, those days were we only had one bureau. There was this one bureau in Mombasa. There was only one bureau. 
Now women were in feature by the way. Mm. When I walked in there I found uh, Barbara Kimenyi. Remember Barbara Kimenyi yes. the lady who wrote books on Moses? Yes. There was a uh, Bill Hagichangi had just left. Yeah. That's when now Phoebe Munene came in. There was Olinda Fernandez. Mm. <laughs> and then I think uh, Cyprian Fernandez was like a foreign editor but he was in features. So by then we did not have even the women reporters on our side. Yunis mm. Wamba must have been the first one. I'm not very sure. Mm. Then of course others like uh, Catherine Gichero that has now started. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, even after people like Catherine joined, they want company in in uh, in news news reporting. Yes. And Edward Ogoro was Ogoro in features or news. Yes, she was a reporter and then she was, yeah, she did some features. And news also. Yeah, and news. Then she did travel to, I think, Australia with her husband. Uh, oh, yes. Married one yeah. of the reporters. What was his name? You remember his name? Uh, ah, well, am I forgetting yes. his name? <laughs> so, uh, I think, okay, I joined the... He's, he's yeah. actually in, in, in West Indies. Oh yeah, West Indies. I remember yeah. I joined I joined in 1977. Yes. And Asaf Moreria took my hand and brought me brought me to you and said, "Sure, these guys are rocks." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, it's interesting. It's interesting because when I joined Nation, Bob yes. Mudusi was there yeah. as a on the Taifa side. Yes. We had a we had Harry Sambo, and then we had Maurice Sichalwe, the man yes. he used to call Kash from Tanzania. He and that is where now Odiko and George Odiko and CSCB were then in Taifa. Ah, and I went. Okay. So was Njoroge so was Njoroge Wakaruri and uh, Frederick Ndongo. Mm-hmm. Okay, no. And then as we called him. <laughs> then of course we, of course there were people like Omari Chambati. Yeah, Omar Chambati. He used to write brilliant never, stories. I've never seen a man who could write stories like Omar Chambati. This is a feature. This is a, a different fiction yes, stories. He would, he would write short stories every Saturday, mm. and which would run for about six months. Mm. And then he would leave a story. He would write a story on Thursday, submit it for Saturday, mm. because they used to appear on Saturdays. Mm. Sit on it. Then next week on Wednesday, start continuing from where he left. For the next episode. <laughs> yes. Anyway, of course, we had people like Ramad Mani. And, the, and, you, and you can describe the interesting people like George Bogos, very humorous person, but always, oh, yes, really. o- always in a hurry and always impatient. Always in a hurry and then uh, telling you, process the story quick, please. Yeah, translate it. And you see, Good thing, I think, Patrick, when we joined, we were lucky. We yeah. had an advantage. You could write in Swahili. Yes. I could write in Swahili. Yes. So you do your story for, that was an added advantage. Yes. You write your story for Tai for Daily Nation, and then you translate it for Taifa right. Leo. Yeah. Then you write features for Taifa Leo, you would get extra money. Yes. For book reviews. You're right. You're right. Now, talking of books, 
I was shocked because Mr. George Gedi used to take check who used to read. Wow. <laughs> so you come to your desk and ask which book are you reading at the moment? Mm. Okay. When we first joined, we Mugambi and uh, Edwin, he directed us to go and buy a book called <laughs> uh what now pride and prejudice you've read it yeah pride and prejudice <laughs> yes you could buy you... one copy or each one a copy no each one a copy you go and buy and then you write really? a book review for him okay that is the story of elizabeth bennett and mr darcy i don't know whether you read it <laughs> we did but luckily i had done the book then i bring is in school yeah. so i don't know what he had about that everybody reporter who did during that round that time was told by getting to go get a copy of that book and give him a book review you know the story is all about i was lucky i wasn't asked to do that like <laughs> he would come and say and ask you what book are you reading at the moment i think the steam so had, had gotten out of him by the time i was joining because I was announced, but after I joined, he didn't stay long. There were a few challenges and he had to leave. Oh, yes, he had a few challenges, uh, you know, about that, that, that editorial on the yeah. Cobra community. Yes. So, um, I think I think now, maybe yeah. because you worked eventually after you joined Nation, I think they yes. discovered your talent in court reporting or your specialty. It became your specialty. Oh, yeah. I'll get it. I tell you what happened. I used to buy these uh, detective magazines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> remember the before through detective. Yeah. 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 yeah so I became interested in court cases, and I think somebody somewhere realized because I, I I went to Parliament for I think two years. I didn't like it. Mm. <laughs> Sitting there uh, covering yes. because then you see at that time we didn't have specialized reporting. Yes, we could go anywhere. Like we didn't. Have we didn't have business edition, whatever. Although Kul Bushan was then in, in business, remember yes. Kul Bushan? Yeah, he was later joined by Kauli Wamwembe. Yes, Kauli Wamwembe. And by the way, talking of uh, Kul Bushan, he was a sub-editor. Mm. When, I, when I joined Nation, most of the sub-editors were white men, were not Kenyans. Mm. The only Kenyan there was James James Ndegwa. Uh, James Ndegwa. Mm. And then there was the Bediako, Bediako Asare, the Ghanaian, Bediako mm. uh, Asare, I think mm. you know him. Mm. He was another who had written a book called Rebo, the African series. Okay. And then apart from that, we had only said Kitange, mm. the Tanzanian, mm. who, yeah, who used to come and uh, sub-edit stories. Mm. Mm. Because on, this, on the side of our life, of course, we had uh, Kakabog Mudusi mm. and uh, who was this now? Harisambo. Yes. Sabedity. Mm. So there were no specialized field like, uh, you know, business. Of course, features was there. Mm. Sports was there. But then the other fields, you could be sent to parliament today. Mm. The following day, you could be told to go and do a business story or an I education remember. story. Remember? I remember even when I joined over like that. Yes. So, so that's when you came in and you found I had already started on in court in 73. Mm. Now wow. I was taken there 
report a called Abu Nadenga. I don't know that you found out. I remember, no, I didn't find, I, when I joined, I think he was in the standard. Yeah, because Araujo, uh, Alfred Araujo had done good reporting, yes. by the way. Yes. And then I think he went to foreign or something. Foreign before nation. Chege, before Chege, yeah, before Chege Mbitiro came in. Mm. But uh, then, Tocho was there. And then, I mean, the subeditors, this was solely foreign, not, I don't want to call them foreigners. Non-indigenous Kenyans. It, it would be there because the other person now who came after that was Philip Oche. Yes. But he, then he took over from uh, John McAfee. Remember John McAfee? Yeah, I remember the, McAfee. I remember McAfee. So there was no specialized shift. But then I think they somehow realized I should go to court. To court, I was taken by Abuna Denga. Uh-huh. Who took him? He took me to the chief magistrate court and the resident, and then he took me to the high court and told me, "Kuria, you cannot report in this court, high court, until you have reported for five years <laughs> before a judge." Yeah. So we did the uh, court reporting. SK such was then the chief uh, magistrate. magistrate. There were others, the resident magistrate and judge. No, who was there now? FEO War. Abdullah. The lady Abdullah came later. Fidam Sen Abdullah came later. Fidam mm. Singh Brown. Then Okubaso. Okubaso was chief once and then he came a judge. They were ended up because PS Brown, remember? Mm. PN Tank. Mm. Dalbai, Vivi Patel. Mm. And you know others. Yes. So, I used to be sent to, I covered Makadara, by the way. Ah. I covered cases in Makadara. Mm. Most of them were those, uh, yeah, what, cases. Eh? <laughs> those cases of Changa. Changa, yes. Cases of Lodi. Yes. <laughs> and then we did Kebera. Then, I also covered cases in Machakos, by the way, Patrick. Wow. Remember, yes. Which particular get case? Get, like in Machakos? Yes, get, yes, get into a, a bus, go to Machakos, cover some interesting case, come back. Mm. I remember there was a case I covered in Tala Court. Mm. Was this pink, I don't know whether you were there when this case came up. Pinkertons. The company called Kim Pinkertons. The guards had been, it was like uh, the four years today. They were transporting money and then the money yeah, I remember. I remember Pinkertons too. Yes, and then I went all the way. Because the case came to the High Court in Nairobi. Mm. Before I judge, who I think had an interest in it. Oh. That is J.R. McCready's son. J.R. McCready, remember? Mm. His son, I think, was a manager at Pinkertons. Okay. So somehow they decided to take the case to Tala. <laughs> Why? Because, because of publicity. Yeah, no, publicity. because publicity also. Ah. The way I was very little because I was the only reporter who went. Yes. It was brought before the Nairobi court, and then the next day they decided to take it to Tala. Mm. Somehow I had made friends with Rebello, the, the prosecutor. Yeah, Rebello. And Joginda Sinsoki was, I think, there was the one in the yes. so, so somehow, by some luck, they gave me a lift in the morning. We mm. traveled all the way to Tala. Yes. I covered the case. The guards were jailed. 
and I came back with the story. <laughs> and the other papers, <laughs> they didn't have a story. <laughs> they didn't have a story. <laughs> just like it happened later in 1999. And I remember, remember the Shimoli. Yeah, and I remember. Yeah, I remember those days. If you miss a story, then your competitor, yes. the newspaper had a story, you would get a fire. Yes. Or you get a memo. Get it. Yes. Yeah, so um, can you mention briefly some of the big cases you really, apart from that one, maybe even political ones? So, talking of those exclusive cases, I remember the case I covered of uh, Shimoli. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember Shimoli, that crook, the criminal. Mm, I just don't remember yes. But you can yeah, tell this you can tell us about it. No, this this case was in in Kiambu. Mm. In Kiambu court one day. Yeah. And then we were tipped. Yes. There's somebody somewhere had written where I think uh, what happened. Yes, it was in Kiambu in nineteen ninety-nine. Mm. July 31st, 1999. So they took Shimoli, they yeah. took Shimoli to go to it. The other papers were not even aware of it. So we went, the man was not brought. Around 11, I, we decided that is one case that really caused me a lot of fear. Mm. Because we waited and the man was not being brought. So we decided we had a driver. Uh, it was Joseph uh, Korea. Zou. Oh, Joseph Joseph Zou. Joseph Zou was a photographer. Yes. No, there was, no that time we, I went with the Zou. Joseph Zou. The photographer. Yeah. Not Jenga. James Jenga was the James other photographer. So you... Yes. So we went, they decided, if it was a driver, courier, who decided, ah, let's go to Unini to commit to prison and see where, see whether for some reason, we drove through the Kiambu Road. And then on the way, we met with the prison vehicle uh, where the man was and you know, the police were escorting. So we turned around and followed them. We followed them up to Kiambu. On reaching Kiambu Court, you know, the driver was trying to overtake, and I told Kuria, don't overtake them. Let's just follow them. Then he slowed down. When we reached the Kiambu Court, he also entered with the car. And then the prison warders came out and told me, so you are the people who are following us. Mm. We had been given orders because he didn't know which car was this following us. Mm. We had been given an order that if that car tries to overtake you, you can shoot at it. Because they didn't know who we were. They thought we were colleagues of the, we were trying to rescue their. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I covered that case. Yeah. And the others didn't get the others this didn't get it mm. i think the kenyan news agency got wind of it the next day uh, later in the afternoon while you are there and so the other papers had just a few i think a two one or two paragraphs from kenyan news story. agency we, we had our pictures and others oh yeah so, okay. so there were many there were many major cases that we covered patrick mm. So, so who are t- who was tipping you? For example, the Pinkerton case. For Pinkerton case, you get you got a tip, and also you got a lip. But I don't know. Shimoli case. The news, the news editor Karimi had. I don't know. He had some con- contact somewhere in the police. Of course, 
Moses Zanko was in the director of CID. And David Derito also. And David Derito also. So, you used to get tips of where the cases were being taken. Yeah. Now, can you tell us about can you tell about the Ochuka case which you covered? The court martial. Ochuka case was among the other later cases that came in 19, after 1982 they started the court martials. After the mutiny. This is a coup attempt. Yeah. Yes. So they started these mutiny cases which were held at the 7th uh, Kenya Rifles Battalion at Langata. Yeah. So we started covering those mutiny cases. Then in late 1982, we started covering in September. Mm. September after the coup. The coup was in uh, August. Mm. So we started covering those mutiny cases where they were being charged, they taking part in whatever they were all being jailed. Then in towards the end of the year November they started bringing treason cases related to the coup they brought in Koplo Injeni Bramwell Injeni was the first one to come in then by that time Uchuka and uh, Oteo had escaped to uh, the, the leaders had escaped to Tanzania so we covered them then in uh, in 85 they were brought back we had then covered about uh, 11 so you know we covered 14 prison i covered 14 prison cases the last ones being chuka uh, hotel another character I've forgotten the name but they were the last so we covered them in full can you tell us like It was more of a marathon hearing because mm. we were told that by 900 hours we have to be in court. 900 hours. The case would go on before that we'd adjourn, go back at two. And in about two or three days, they used to finish those cases in about three days. Mm. So all those people were sentenced to death, 14. Two appealed. Mm. Two appeals were, were, were of course, uh, went through. The rest were enhanced. So you, during the cases, of course, you met people like Ezekiel Chuka. And, of course, we met Ochuka. Did you have a chance to talk to them or have a chance to, you know? No, just greeting them. You see, hey, you see, the, the place was really guarded when yeah. they were brought in. Mm. Now, when we got a chance to talk to them is during the appeal. Mm. You know, they, they had They, they were filed and then the appeal now came to the high court mm. then then you know there it was more free you know they are at the barracks mm. right. you're not allowed to talk to them <laughs> yeah they're being escorted and then of course now they came to the for the appeal then of course now they're having their lawyers there talk to them mm. you could talk to them because when they were was on the dock okay because before they were actually they were all dismissed appeal, apart from those two mm. apart from who or the one which were, dis- who were allowed apart from two, two of them yes mm. one of them was a lieutenant the only left and the others were non-commissioned officers the chukas and the sergeant or gidi and mm. others mm. i can remember they remember their names mm. so Would you, would you, would you, uh, okay, you covered a lot of cases, including the murder of, uh, 
was it uh, the case the murder case of Ngai's uh, daughter i think oh uh, that was Angaine's daughter Angaine Angaine's daughter and i think the late Ngai was, was a major, 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 Kisilu, major Kisilu was accused of <coughs> wow. Yeah, the daughter Ngaine. Oh, okay. So eventually, the case was no. He was not found guilty, by the way. Mm. All right. So there were so many other cases, and I think uh, there were so many other cases. But I tell you, one of the cases that was a headache <laughs> was Kapila, Achuram Kapila. Mm. The lawyer was accused. This is related to exchange control money. That case went on and on and on. Feroz Noroji was the defense counsel. Mm. He submitted for two weeks. Two when weeks. the case ended, he made us. <laughs> we were tired. Yeah. <laughs> and who was the judge? Yeah, the judge was who? Was it? Uh... Oh, goodness. Anyway, he must have had a hard time also. Ah, yeah, yeah, it was, it was hard. It was yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Kapila's case. Oh, he was dead for eighteen months, by the way. Eventually. Ah, okay. Any other interesting yeah. case you might want to mention? Yeah. Oh yes, there was a case of uh, Dr. Wilson Miner. Remember, I don't think you had joined us then. Mm. The one who was charged with stealing X-ray machines. Oh yes, I do. I remember that one. You remember that was 1976, by the way, mm. September 76. Kapila's mm. was uh, in in 1977 May. Mm. Mm. There was then the Nandra case. You remember this man who killed uh, Mrs. Nandra, mm. the chairman of the council. What what did they call it for now? The Hindu Council. Hindu council. Mm. They are somewhere in Lavington. Mm. That was an interesting case. Mm. There was a Cases of the two MPs, remember the coffee theft. The coffee that is uh, Mahuru, Mahuru Muchiri, Muchiri, and uh, Jesse Mwangi Gachago. Yes, they also went for quite some time. 1978, yes, they went on for quite some time, but they were jailed in February 19. Actually, February 3rd, 1978, they were jailed mm. for five years. Now, with all that, ex- with all that experience, yeah. with all that experience and the cases that you've covered, don't you think you? You should be able to produce maybe a memo or some stuff, stuff right? Actually, I have, I have written something. Yeah. About the, I've written a, a, a whole manuscript. manuscript. Yes. Of twenty murder cases. Okay, in Kenya. From nineteen sixty to nine to two thousand. That's mm. starting with the the first white man to be sentenced to death. Ah, oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, and then up to up to the case of Robert Ouko, I think Ouko was the last case. Mm. Julie Ward, last mm. case, is it? Mm. Yeah. So does this manuscript just involve the court hearing or even the investigation part of it? The court hearing and the investigations. Mm. It's a bulky book, it's 400 pages. Wow. 400 pages. Mm. I gave it to publishers. I signed the contract. Don't believe it, Patrick. I signed the contract. Mm. The book never came out because yeah. the company went. The um, company went. Yes. But you still have the manu- a copy of the manuscript. No, I have it. I have it. Then I have the other one is the Mudemba case, mm. the prison trial. Remember the Andrew Mungai Mudemba mm. prison case that is uh, seven, 1981. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think they can make very interesting reading. <laughs> and, and then of course, and then of course these uh, treason cases, the Ochuka ones and the others. Mm. I have it. That one I have. I've written oh. all that. There's also script. I think mm. about 300 pages. All yeah. those 14 cases mm. and the appeal and all that. Mm. So what are you planning to then, do about them? Then of course I have another mask by the way. This <laughs> <laughs> is on the what right we are calling right the infamous this what we call the infamous cases ah. of the Nyayo. Uh-huh. Starting from starting from 88 I think it is 7. No after the coup 83. Mm. This is the Mwakenyas. Mwakenya kwaigwa mwere. That is when he said kwaigwa mwere we have our own colleagues who are arrested like me. Mohome Mutahi. Yes, yes, yes. As Mugo Deuri and others. Mm. The late Njoguna Mutonya. Yeah, I think no. uh, I think you, you have um, you have a gold mine there of books. No, I have uh, manuscript Patrick. Yes, I have. Yeah, I yes. think we'll uh, we'll get together one yes. of these days and see how we can yes, bring them into fruition. Yeah. Oh that's, yes. That's quite interesting. Now, can you describe uh, we are running out of time. But yes. can you describe journalism of the 70s and 80s in the journal yes. of this moment this time because although you are not <clears throat> active with journalism but you can yes. give that you know the difference between then and now well i tell you one thing when we joined uh, we started off we were told that the journalism which you are entering into is like a, de- a dog on a tether you know mm. you can write but you can write to an extent when you reach where we don't want you to go we'll pull you back <laughs> yes i remember yeah we were we were to report without bias mm. but then there were restrictions like you remember those days you could not even enter court, a court with a camera yes yes those things have changed even a, re- even a recorder even a recorder yeah could not go with it so so things have changed we were supposed to inform educate and entertain and entertain and entertain. Yeah, we did we did we did our part we had our own good time but then there were restrictions yes even uh, the, 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 what was then supposed to be radical columns like joe kazi asked why it was done yes. very carefully so that it may not hurt some people Yes, that, that thing landed him into problems. Remember during the, the Norfolk bomb, mm. bomb blast mm. on the eve of uh, 1981. Yes. Yeah, Joe Kazi wrote something about it. It landed him a lot of trouble. Mm. Okay. Okay. There were. Got to be careful the words you use. You remember the story where Mulaki, Pius, and others were arrested. I remember and and mad mad Mokolomoko. I remember that that, that that case. Yeah, mad was arrested for drawing oil. No, that one I was a witness by the way I was a witness <laughs> in. And I messed up. I was declared as a hostile witness. <laughs> ah. What was the case about? You see what happened to Mado? Yeah. You know this office pranks and jokes. Yes. He wrote on a piece of a small box. He wrote at a time bomb. Set to explode that is set to blow set to explode on touch mm. he went to the gents toilet and put it there mm. so i come in from court and in the afternoon around 3 i come in 
and I go back and I see it, I touch it and then I leave. And then I go and tell the news editor, deputy news editor, Mr. Wangalo, Philip Wangalo, the sample who is playing a practical joke on us in the toilet about a bomb. Mm. And then I don't know how Mr. Wangalo took it. He took the matter it's very serious. He called the police, you know. Mm. Next minute, we were going to Central Police Station. Mad was being put in. I was taking, writing a statement of how I found it. So then I was caught as a witness. Now, when I went to as a witness, <laughs> I was asked by my magistrate, oh, what do you think? I said, no, this was just a practical office joke. I took it as a joke, but I think, I think we took it. He said, hey, it was a joke. Yeah. So now the, the prosecutor said that no, now I was pointing their case, so I was now being declared as a hostile witness. So you, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are down the dog. Oh yes. Oh, that I used to stand there. Yeah. But I remember, I remember, Mado was the yes. first cartoonist to draw more, and he got trouble into it. I mean, because of. Oh yes. Oh yes, it was terrible. But the worst case, remember, is when this story came about the doctor uh, a statement. And then the chief sub editor, Philip Ocheng, inserted the word anonymous in the anonymous, story. Uh, anonymous uh, uh, So the government took it as, as uh, they said, oh, no, no, they are also calling the president anonymous because the story, <laughs> the, the statement was from president. So yes. later that day, Jokazi, he was then the managing editor, and John Sibi. Acting news editor, yeah. Joe Rodriguez, <laughs> Philip Ocheng, and then uh, who else? Gideon Mulaki, yeah. and Pius uh, Nyamora were arrested. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> Those were the days. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad because, okay, Rodriguez came out and the others were. Mr. Rodriguez came out after 20 hours later. The others were yeah. charged. So obviously things have changed since then. But so the, things have changed now, people way, are free to report. Yeah, the way we write, but then also technology. Technology has technology been very back. simple. I remember and when, back. yeah. You remember, you used to go there as a reporter. Yeah. Okay? Mm. You used to go alone as a reporter, you report a story, mm. you come and uh, do it for daily, translate for, you go with one photographer. Yeah. When you are covering East Africa Safari, you covered Safari, by the way, yes. you would go with your You'd go with your Pentax camera. Mm. Mm. I still have my Pentax camera, by the way. <laughs> You'd go with the pictures. Yeah. Come and write us. Yeah. I was surprised these days they'll send a, a reporter for Daily Nation, one for Taifa Leo, mm. and then one for NTV mm. with a camera. So about five people covering one event. Event which used to be covered by one reporter. Those days. But those then again, days. but then again, you remember those days if you were in the field. After yes. writing your story, you go to a telephone booth. Yes. Read oh, your story. Uh, read your story to somebody in Nairobi to take it down. But these oh, yes. days it's totally different. You can actually email it's, your story. It's totally different. Correspondents went, went through a very rough time. They would they would send their stories from eh, out of Nairobi. Yeah. And then you, you would monitor what they are sending. Yeah, by phone. I remember Mohammed Ado, you Mohammed Ado, he works now with the Al Jazeera. Mm. I think he's the boss. Mm. I had a very rough time. He was in Garissa. He would send stories 
and you tell me Korea, please sit down and edit, do it something good about because when you the story comes, they only use one paragraph. Oh. So and he's being, being paid for that. Yeah, and it's people like uh, <laughs> people like Bashkas also had a very rough time, I think. But you remember Bashkas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there are people like Mzewawero, the photographer, who I think is still taking pictures of. And Wawero, yeah, Mzewawero, yeah, and the others, you know. Mm-hmm. It was very rough for, for, for correspondence. Yeah. So, um, we, had... we are almost coming uh, to the end of the interview. And, but I yes. would like to you to tell us what you're doing currently. And you told me the other day that you actually walk from Island to town every day. How come? <laughs> well, about walking, I always walked, Patrick. Yes. Remember when I told you when I was working with Target? Uh-huh. I used to walk very far to get a story. So I became used to walking. You see, when you're walking, you think a lot, you see a lot of things which, you know, when you're in a car, you don't see, there's so many things you don't see. Like, yeah. if I walk yeah, from Buruburu to Westlands, mm. for instance, I uh, do that. You, I do, that, see a lot you of do that every day? Every time you go to town? Once in a while, you know, with the COVID now, I've not been walking a lot. Yeah. But I always did that. There was a time we were doing a book. Remember, there was a book we, we did about the... Waiyaki Wahinga. Mm-hmm. I remember. Two years ago. You remember, you, you, there was a time you found me there. Yeah, two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. In commission to write a, a, a book for them. Yeah, yeah. To hear people and gather information. Yeah. I, I would wait seven and walk all the way to Westlands. Mm. And then meet with the man who was sponsoring the the, the hotel, the oh. mm. You know him, mm. and he would not know that I have walked all the way. Would <laughs> you walk and all that? Yeah. So um, that, that, that that's healthy also, apart from mentally, because you think a lot, as you say, you see a lot of things. It's also healthy yes. because you become physically fit. Yeah, I like, it's healthy. I like I like people who from the house to the stage. They take a border border. I'm yes. surprised, Patrick. Patrick, we used to walk from a nation house, the old the nation old, house, yeah, from Boya Street, mm. to, to go to courts. Court, yes. These days, I'm surprised find to hear that people take uh, <laughs> take a driver to go to court. You know. <laughs> I mean, Patrick, seriously. I mean, you walk from Kemazi Street, you get a company. <laughs> you take, there are people. There are people who, there are people who from the house, yes. they take a border border to the stage. Yes. And then from the stage, they take a vehicle to town. Yes. From town, on a on a India kwa lift, baka wherever which is up from. Oh yeah, yeah that one, ah, that one I know, it's true. So they work throughout the day. Yeah, some, the day. and then that man came and parked his car on at the parking. So the only exercise he does is to get into the lift. <laughs> oh, go to the lift. Down, he would come down, maybe go for lunch, lunch time, just yeah. close by. I'm an chips. I'm an lunch. <laughs> then in the evening, so Patrick, we have we don't have time to go through the gym. Yeah. So that is our gym. Yeah, you know yeah. them, they have the gym and pay, you know. Mm. So finally, maybe give us a last word generally our listeners uh, maybe even people who like to go into journalism although our no, times are now different 
give an advice mm. that when you gather when you go to gather your information we are supposed to inform educate and entertain as you have said mm. so to you get your information get the correct information present the news the most honest way and balanced way you know those days you are told about write a story don't make a value judgment because that's what i'm finding these days mm. somebody writes a story so and so said politician so and so said this is what he meant just write what he said mm. wait for other comments unless if you're investigating a story check the facts if you're not sure of the facts patrick you are told to leave it until you are sure of the facts that you have mm. somebody goes to a, to a to a scene of accident and then he hears people talking they said oh this driver was one who was driving rough and he got no and if you're quoting quote what a witness has said see this is what he's alleging or this is his claiming but you see making a value of judgment that's what is i think is spoiling our profession get the correct information disseminate that information give it to give the right information if you are not sure of it leave it do it another day okay so yes. um thank you very much uh, andrew and yes. i think uh, our viewers have really known about those days about the people who mattered the people you met the profession yes. itself to a point and also uh, thank you for the advice that you have given to budding writers or those who are already in the field Oh, yes. And uh, it was a pleasure speaking to you from this Oasis and the fact that oh, this, yeah, this Oasis uh, is proud of the fact that uh, the founder of this Oasis, that is myself, have long association with him and I think we are oh, going yes. to go a long way. So oh, thank yes. you very thank much. You. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm so grateful for the interview, for conducting the interview. At least we let people know what we have gone through, yeah. what is there. Yeah, what is there to do? Good. Good. So thank you yes. very much and until next and time maybe sorry you have something else to say finally. No, I'm okay. You're okay. So thank you very much and thank I hope to, thank you to please uh, <laughs> oh, Yeah, yeah, thank you very much and I hope soon either in the streets but we are meeting to talk about those manuscripts and see what yes. we are going to do about them. Yes. So actually next time maybe you call I I could show you even the tool of our trade. Yes. I, mean, I still have I still have a type here. Yeah. Our typewriter. <laughs> yeah, it's a small one. Okay. It, it was then uh, it was then our tool of the trade. Yeah, those days. And I keep on telling my, my granddaughter that this used to be our what do you call? This used to be our, our, used to be our laptop. Yeah, those days, those days. <laughs> And you yeah. really kept it up. It's like you're going to start a small museum over there. Yeah. <laughs> I can use it with the ribbon and others. Because you have your camera, you have your camera, you have a you have the typewriter. You might as well have a pen. Yeah, you might as well have a pen and notebook. Yes. You might start <laughs> yeah. a small museum there. <laughs> yeah. So thank you very much. Dr. Tana Tena to the Lena is the story. I said it's an acquiring. Oh yes. See you next time. Okay, bye. Thank you. Right.
Thank you for staying tuned until the end of this podcast. Please follow us on our Facebook page, Blitz Oasis Africa. The link to our WhatsApp group can also be found on that page. You may also visit our website, www.blitzoasis.co.ke. Thank you again and stay tuned for our next week's podcast. Signing off is your host, Patrick Ngugi.